name is Shruti. I'm Abhishek. And I'm Navneet. And we are in Psycom. We bring you a new podcast series where we will profile enthusiastic students, scientists, and science communicators. Each of them will talk about who they are, what they do now, how they got here, and a cool scientific concept. We call this a soupçon of Psycom. And today we have somebody who studies Indian forests and grasslands, not from up close, but from very far away. So question number one, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Chitan Chet and I live in Bangalore in India and I'm 28 and I recently finished my master's in geographic information sciences and remote sensing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's only a couple of months back that I joined this particular lab in National Center for Biological Sciences, Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And this lab basically specializes in studying biodiversity and ecosystems, how ecosystems function mm-hmm. in India mm-hmm. and uh, actually even in Africa. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so we christened ourselves the Pure Lab. Oh, nice. <laughs> what, is the, what is the expansion of the acronym? Uh, Biodiversity and Ecosystems Ecology Lab. Nice. <laughs> uh, are you a student? Are you doing your PhD? No, I'm not. I haven't started my PhD yet. Okay. I, so I'm actually a forest database coordinator. What I do is I sort I manage this data set that's being collected regularly from various forest sites in India. Mm-hmm. The idea of having these long-term forest sites is to sort of understand how forests function from the top down as well as from below and how they sequester carbon, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of seeds do they get regularly, how the plant grows you wow. know, and shrinks yeah. through the year is, and so on and so forth. Uh, that sounds yeah. really interesting. So that takes us directly to question number two, which is how did you get where you are right now? I think for the longest time I remember, I've always been like a wildlife and geography nerd, mm-hmm. collecting spiders and, you know, holding uh, animal toys and making sure that I have like newspaper cuttings of, and atlases and stuff. Nice. But I think the critical time came in 2007. I just moved out of home mm-hmm. and uh, I was invited to go for a field trip to Arunachal Pradesh in the Eastern Himalayas. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was just incredible. I had I had never stepped out for an independent camping trip ever in my life, and it completely changed. I mean, it's the most. I know that, that must have been so fun. Arnex, yeah, it's the most magical and unexplored place. The forest is just spectacular in Arunachal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I had the chance to actually visit um, Arunachal. I yeah. guess I want to say like late nineties, early two thousands, and um, wow. I must say it was. I mean, I hope it is still pristine as it was in those days. But you're right; it completely changed the way I look at Indian forests and Indian forest yeah. land. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually the only kind of vast expanse of forest left in India, actually. One of the largest expanses of intact forests with no, no disturbance from human interventions and stuff. So it's, right. it's actually quite amazing. Excellent. Yeah. So you went to a forest, you got inspired and what did you do when you came back? I was studying spiders then. Mm-hmm. So I came back and I wrote a report and I convinced a professor to send me back for longer. Oh wow, was this as a bachelor's yeah. student? Yeah, as a bachelor's student. So so in 2007 I started my bachelor's and uh-huh. in 2008 I went back for a summer trip uh-huh. and discovered a, a species that hadn't been reported in India. That is amazing. Yeah, it was it was a totally beautiful pit viper. Oh, so, so pit viper is a is actually a snake. A viper is a snake uh-huh. because they have these thermal sensory organs near their eyes. Mm-hmm. So they are like a tropical speciality. They're just super supremely gorgeous. So, that is yeah. that's wonderful. So this this would have been a BSc in zoology. Yes, yes, I did a BSc in zoology. Excellent, and that led you yeah. to your masters. Yeah, 
Uh, so that led me to my masters much late, much much later, mm-hmm. and I started studying frogs, and I started studying. Uh, I started getting involved in geography and uh, using satellite images to map the Indian forest landscape mm-hmm. as well as the savanna landscape. Then I decided, okay, fine, it's time to go get a masters and finish this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, this year and the next, I sort of get into a PhD program. So this masters was in uh, geological information sciences or geographical uh, information science. Geographical information sciences. Shall I explain GIS? Yes, and please. So geographic and information sciences or GIS is is, a, is like a it's a very vast field of study mm-hmm. uh, because it involves people programming geometry and mathematics mm-hmm. into a digital platform. And what you're really essentially doing is you're mapping anything that has that is on the planet on actually on any planet if it has reference system of geography for example i can right now open a software mm-hmm. and i can say okay go to mars geographical coordinate system and i can sit and take an image of mars that is uh, captured by satellite mm-hmm. and i can just map and mark various features across on the landscape so wow so gis is essentially that it's you're a mapper but a digital mapper nice and if you really want to have fun with it mm-hmm. you have to go to the field and collect information and then go back and look at the map so <laughs> that is such a i mean it sounds like such a positive cycle to do i mean not only do you actually yeah. <laughs> get to go out in the field but you get to come back and review all this yeah. uh, cartographic information yeah yeah exactly now that you've mentioned that you can do this not just on earth but on another planet i feel like this is right. a perfect opportunity to be an astronaut without actually being an astronaut <laughs> oh, absolutely really interesting uh it's not exactly connected to other planets but there's a archaeological program that requests citizens to map like archaeological sites mm-hmm. that they have curated mm-hmm. on uh, in satellite imagery and i think they call archaeological astronauts or something like that. oh wow <laughs> that is fantastic you're one of like a beautiful group of people i seem to have stumbled into for this series because uh before i came to you i was talking to um, devyani khare who actually was oh, yeah. who was talking about yeah. the importance of citizen science yeah yeah that is great so in fact it's uh, the, the the kind of citizen science that's going into mapping right now is is for biodiversity is great mm-hmm. like you have people uh, reporting various observations of various birds and animals all over the world mm-hmm. and it's, it's fantastic this is database of biodiversity species just being mapped continuously mm-hmm. for very other planetary systems it's also the high rise program mars mm-hmm. so high rise is like perhaps the most advanced camera that has gone on a satellite wow yeah and it just takes the most spectacular images of of mars in fact you can see curiosity whenever satellite passes over it's 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 beautiful that is and wonderful people, yeah and people regularly citizens regularly map the map the landscape of mars finding various clues i mean there's some mysterious caves that are very circular go way deep on the, on the surface of mars so wow i think you've just given me something me and everybody else who's listening something to do in their free time which is absolutely oh, yeah, yeah. fascinating <laughs> yeah that be a lot of fun yeah excellent uh, so okay let's move on to question number 3 which is yeah. um imagine you have the power to go back in time to when you were in high school or undergrad can you pick and explain one concept to your younger self that you think is the coolest most important or most awesome in your field i think it's electromagnetic radiation and light mhm I would re-explain it to myself when I was okay. I would tell the, my my kid self that see, there's something called light mm-hmm. that does funny things. But <laughs> what's really special about about light is that various things they reflect it and they absorb it differently. And based on the information on how they reflect it and how much they absorb, mm-hmm. we can tell what it is. And I would then explain to myself that so do you know that you can map fossils through space? 
Oh my god, this would totally blow a kid's mind. I can see it happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have started with that and gone on to the boring stuff like, oh, then you can map deforestation then. But what's totally spectacular is, so let's say that we have a camera sensor on a satellite and it's taking images of the planet. Mm -hmm. And what it's essentially doing is it's capturing the brightness of a particular spot on the surface across different parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. Right. And... Right now, we're just talking about 400 nanometers to 2400 nanometers. Mm-hmm. And within this particular portion, you can imagine like different uh, objects reflecting differently. This is what all things on, on the planet do. So ice like reflects a lot. Mm-hmm. And then different types of ice reflects differently. Mm-hmm. Like you have poor ice and then you have snow that's actually not ice. but mm-hmm. And you have forests that reflect completely differently from, from the equator yeah. all the way to the poles. So you're telling me that forests in the equator have a different ref- reflection of light than the forests in or in or closer to the poles absolutely and is this because they have different colors of leaves different density and things like that exactly yeah and there there are multiple other factors like they have different capabilities of absorbing of how they use chlorophyll and how they absorb uh, light oh my god that is so fascinating it's, it's amazing i mean for example i'm trying to now explore if Certain types of forests are doing, are behaving, responding differently across the year. Mm-hmm. So you have something called deciduousness. Particular tree will lose all its leaves mm-hmm. and regrow them back. But some trees don't do that. They they keep their leaves throughout the year. I see. And those are called evergreen and they're found close to the equator. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting. You actually see certain forests turn, change color from space. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, in the lower elevations, you won't see that color change. Wow. And actually the best laboratory to study this is is uh, the Himalayan mountains and even actually the Andes. Mm-hmm. Because you can see this within a very short uh, geographical distance. Mm-hmm. You'll see changes in the spectral information from mm-hmm. the top of the mountain to mm-hmm. the bottom of the mountain. Wow. That is that is totally fantastic. I would have never thought... I mean, I can imagine using light and, and reflections for surfaces um, and sort of ground surfaces. But I right. never imagined you could chart changes and differences in forest cover uh, thank you very much actually um is there anything else you'd like to add um i would love uh, to so talk more if you have more to tell us actually the this real special thing about uh different various objects reflecting stuff spectrally mm-hmm. is the true beauty of it is being now observed on mars so let's for example take gale crater where curiosity is exploring mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. so before curiosity went there before they kept put the, the rover on the crater, mm-hmm. they had taken images of, of the crater over and over again. And they were trying to see what was the mineral composition of the entire place. Mm-hmm. Scientists and engineers design incredible technology just to understand how life has evolved. It's, it's, it's actually really inspiring. Because they, what, they, what the satellite found then was you have a very fixed pattern of of how minerals are composed around the crater. You have older minerals on the, on the sides, which I expose, and we have younger minerals on top, along the crater center, which is just totally, I mean, just really incredible. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the age of these minerals based on what they are. So you have certain types of minerals that, that are produced uh, during the early formation parts of, 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 planet, of planets, and then you have certain minerals that come uh, later after certain processes and that is wonderful. Thank you very, very much, Chintan. And um, Thanks, good luck on your uh, big project. I really hope uh, something very, very good comes out of all the hard work that Thanks. you put in. 
Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> really and cool that, speaking to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you for agreeing and thank yeah. you for making time. Um, hopefully, yeah. uh, we get to see you again when you find something new or you have a new newer concept to explain to us. And that's it for this episode of Susan of Psycom. Stay tuned for our next episode where we go hunting with cone snails. Mm-hmm.